Hello and welcome to the Brand Education Podcast. I'm Zenat Fayez from the Brand Education and today I'm joined by Emma Leach. Emma is Director of Marketing and Communications at Nottingham Trent University. In today's episode, we'll do a deep dive into leadership and what it takes to develop high-performing teams in higher education. Hi Emma, welcome to the podcast. Hi Zenat, lovely to be here. I'm really excited to have you and speak to you today. I think just before we begin, it'll be good to do a quick bio about you. So can you give us a bit of a background on you know what you're currently doing and yeah what you formerly have been doing in some groups that you've part of inside and outside of higher education. So I love being in higher education and I, I've worked at a number of institutions since I started in the sector in way back in 1997 which always makes people in my team laugh because a number of them weren't actually born then um, but before that I worked um, from 1988 I went straight from school to work in fashion and consumer PR agency um, so that was really interesting work, very, very exciting stuff. But after a few years, I, I knew I wanted to do something that perhaps had a bit more personal meaning and purpose in the days before purpose was maybe a, so much of a thing. Um, I went to work in a local authority working on adult and youth training. Um, I've always been passionate about education and the power of transformation that, that sits as part of that. And I really enjoyed that work and then moved into a, a broader role that also included tourism, economic development, etc. Then I worked uh, briefly in Manchester for an organisation called Marketing Manchester, which was very much place, destination, marketing, tourism, inward investment, all of that kind of stuff before I landed my first job in HE, which was at Leeds Met, as was Leeds Beckett as is, as the PR manager, which was just a phenomenal start and really, really enjoyed working there and and some incredible learning that allowed me to jump out of my comfort zone and move into a broader Marcom's role as head of corporate communications at the University of Bradford, uh, where I stayed for a number of years. I dealt with riots, um, me and my team, over over that period twice. So that was a huge learning curve and some invaluable learning to be had. And then went to work in Salford for a, a period of time before moving to Manchester Metropolitan University which was again a big jump for me in a very different size of institution, different type of institution. Loved working there as well and I think one of the key things for me throughout my career is just getting involved with loads of different people. So I'm still in touch with folk from my very first jobs in higher education. I'm oh, wow. proud and privileged to call them friends. Yeah. And then to Nottingham uh, as our director at Nottingham after a director spell at MMU, Nottingham University which was also great and then for five and a half years Loughborough mm-hmm. and then finally I landed at NTU so Nottingham Trent University in January a couple of years ago just a few months before lockdown and I, I have a um, wide-ranging brief here and sit on the board mm-hmm. which is really interesting in its own right and yeah right at the heart of that decision-making process but outside of um, work I'm a trustee with the Access Project mm-hmm. which is around helping students from disadvantaged backgrounds get into uh, university and that's something that's always been very very close to my heart. I love that. Just on that, actually, how how did you get involved in that? Because that's also something that I'm really interested in. And it sounds like it's great. It is really great. I was actually I was it was Mary Kern at Cook, who everybody in the sector will know, who who rang me up out of the blue while I was working over in Loughborough. And um, she was looking for someone who had particular expertise in some of the areas that were very much my bag. And she was also looking for someone who maybe not had a typical, you know, going to university, not had the 
maybe the best of upbringings, etc, etc. So that was kind of me. I had an awful lot of empathy and personal skin in the game, really. Yeah. Mary's incredibly charismatic and, and that was just a real opportunity for me to do something very different. And obviously I'd, I'd been very heavily involved with some of my professional bodies. That's been a big part of my life. And at, at the time I was the president of the Chartered Institute of Public Relations. So I've been involved with them for very many years. Yeah. And I enjoy that outside the day job, working on something different, using the kind of brain matter in a different way, but doing it for something that I believe in. So yeah. Access Project is, is a really great example of that. And then the work I did with CIPR, I'm still heavily involved with them in the Chartered uh, Assessment process. And that's great because I love to see next gen of talent. I love to see people developing. And then also I, I do quite a lot of mentoring for them yeah. through one of their mentoring schemes. And again, people are, are massively, massively important to me. And I think you can do anything with people if if they're in the right space. So with my own teams, I talk about building an A team and it's three A's, attitude, ability yeah. and approach. And that's all I need, right? If you've got the right attitude, yeah. you've got some ability yeah. and you kind of approach, you're, you're a decent human being who is a good laugh and works well with those around you and yeah. is up for a challenge, but also doesn't mind when the going gets a bit tough, then I can absolutely work with that and I'll help you on your way. I actually remember that a bit on attitude actually is when I first got my role my first role outside of university I got um, recruited and I got my first job because in the interview out of like I think there was like 13 of us my manager said that my attitude is something that you cannot teach people it's something that comes from within yeah whereas everything else all the other skills you can teach people those skills so I guess you know that attitude element is like one of the most kind of important it's totally pivotal I mean my my first job I got when I was 18 years old and had decided I wasn't going to make my A-levels and therefore wouldn't get into university needed a job to save face and I was one of 113 applications for a PA trainee stroke secretary right there was not a lot going on in terms of PR and advertising in downtown Huddersfield in 1988 I can tell you yeah. and I, I got the job not because I was pretty academically bright but my earring fell out midway through the process Oh God! and, and I just literally I just literally picked it up put it back in and kept talking yeah. and they were like well you were just completely completely <laughs> unflappable and everything that we asked you and everything that we threw at you nothing phased you and that's yeah. you know when you had a good approach and the stuff that you were doing outside of work I mean I was massively heavily involved with air cadets and ran squadrons and you know really oh, wow oh god yeah I am um, that's amazing I'm, I still hold the rank of flight lieutenant oh wow that's incredible RAF VRT brackets retired I, did you know the air cadet magazine Emma because yeah. I worked on the advertising for air cadet magazine in my first job oh, how strange so you would know you would know Denise Hoosby then yeah <laughs> yes I do yes I met Denise Small world. So I, I did, yeah, I got, I did uh, loads of stuff with them from being like 13 years old. Mm. And that gave me a real start because at the time, you know, the squadron I joined, we didn't, they didn't have women for starters. Yeah. So I'm quite a, I'm a little bit feisty is a word that is often used of women, never used of men, odd that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. But I am, I've always been a, a little bit like that. That's how I'm built. Mm. And I don't see, I don't see glass ceilings. I don't see problem. I see a challenge always. I don't see anything that can't be done because I think if you think like that yeah you could talk yourself out of so much particularly in today's world it's you know it's a tough old environment yeah for people and you've got to have a little bit of, of 
belief both in yourself and then and also in others yeah and the air cadets really taught me that so I was yeah I was with them for a long time I was was commissioned at 21 ran a couple of squadrons 100 odd kids at a time did I am I'm a qualified mountain leader go figure oh wow go you Emma yeah so did loads of stuff yeah. I love things like that work got a little bit too much um for me to be able to do two nights a week and pretty much every weekend so I had to kind of pull back from that but I've done different things and I think that whatever you do it's really important that you're doing something that's positive for other people it doesn't have to be big grandiose things it you know it could be an annual fun run yeah. or it could be working with a professional body or a charity or just helping people out when they need a bit of help and I'm a massive believer in karma yeah me too you know goes around comes around and yeah. I, I laugh with people maybe one day I'll be the highest paid tea lady in the sector <laughs> on the on the way down you know because I've got lots of friends across the industry who knows can only live in hope and that's also probably shaped you as a as a leader all these external experiences the internal experiences that you've had as an individual you talked about empathy you talked about all of these kind of attributes that you've built along the way have probably helped you in your higher education role as a leader in marketing and I want to kind of get on to that actually because um one of the things that you've really talked about is your mindset and uh, how you like a challenge and you don't see things as glass ceilings. You've got a really, really strong, unlimited sort of mindset. And I'd be interested to know, because when you're deciding on your kind of roles or your next role, for example, when you decided on NTU, mm-hmm. what were the kind of main contributing factors to your decision like why did you choose those institutions I'm just really interested in learning a bit more about that yeah so anybody who ever has a look at like my LinkedIn page would go oh you know and there are some patterns there and I, I'm not gonna fib I'm I usually it's kind of four to five and I think five and a half which was Loughborough is the longest I've ever spent anywhere yeah and that's not because I'm going in with a plan I'm really ruthlessly ambitious it is literally that everywhere I've gone I'm usually brought in to do some kind of turnaround or transformation piece or deal with some tough old challenges or rebuild a team or you know all of that kind of stuff yeah and quite often the jobs where you know angels would potentially fear to tread sometimes it's fair to say yeah but the thing that I love about them is that I'm usually able to quite quickly spot the gaps know what needs fixing yes I can do the high level strategic stuff but I also I'm really able to see how you translate that operation operationally and what you need to do with the people Mm -hmm. and to quickly do a kind of a strengths weaknesses where are the gaps what do the team need what do I need to tackle but also what support do I need to put in and all of my roles every single place that I've I've worked with the probable exception of one which I'm not going to name okay um, I've absolutely loved and and that's been because I've gone in there's been things to do I've been able to build absolutely cracking teams of first class professionals who you know really care about as though they are family and other stuff comes to me so Nottingham's a great example I started at Nottingham having been at, at Manchester Mets yeah. with a team of 17 I left with a team of something like 83 oh wow four and a bit years later and that wasn't anything other than different really good people internally you know I was there a few months and someone who was handling recruitment as an interim measure said you've got loads more experience than I have on this and actually I've watched what you're doing you know what you're doing you should be leading on this and then think things get kind of passed over to me so my brief always always it's never not grown yeah and that's not kind of going hunting for other things and putting a flag in the sand or anything it's, it's literally just oh she's done a good job of fixing that or that's now working really well I wonder if yeah so that the job at Loughborough was very much like that that was the 
the challenge for me there was that I'd done, I think, all I could do at that stage of the game at Nottingham in terms of growing the team. The team were hugely successful and we'd done lots of stuff. But you always hit a position where universities go through waves and sometimes they've done that change piece and then they want to just settle and be not static's not a positive term always but sometimes it is institutionally I'm I don't do massively well with the status quo so when I've kind of outlived what I feel is my usefulness as in you know where is the next mountain what is the next target what's the next project how can we be different better da 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 when when that stops coming for me I get best described as itchy feet so it's not it's not anything to do with oh you know more money more higher it's none of that it's usually more challenge what's new what's fresh because if if you if you think about it i've been you know floating around since 97 i've pretty much seen and done everything from riots and big turnaround jobs in bradford where we were literally the bottom in terms of applications everything and and we achieved i think 17 percent above aspirational target after that which was nothing short of a, a miracle in fact the guardian called it the bradford <laughs> miracle at the time i remember oh wow but you know so those things are it's all about challenge and it's about people mm. and i also get if i'm honest a little bit like at the point i've grown my people so yeah. they're moving onwards and upwards and you get the next gen in yeah but there's always an element of pride seeing people move onwards and upwards yeah. but also that sometimes means they have to move elsewhere mm. because there isn't a slot for them yeah and there comes a time where it feels time for me also to move on and do something new and start again one of the points that you made was you described your teams as family and i'm reading this really good great book at the moment i don't know if you've read it but it's called um culture code yes in it they described how highly successful groups describe their relationship with one another as family and so you're definitely working in high performing groups which is great to hear and and even the fact that you talk about them in such high regard you know you as a leader it shows that you're not just in it for the external impact that you can make you're in it for the internal impact you can also make within the university and the individuals as well so i which i feel like has naturally led into you winning award-winning work and creating high-performing teams so I feel like that kind of comes on to your values really like what would you say are your core values as a as a leader and what do you look for when it comes to you know others do do you find that you've found similar values in others or like how does that connect with you yeah this sounds really odd doesn't it a bit I am I think I'm very values driven I like I will absolutely and, and I think you know, speak to folk who've worked for me. I will do anything for anybody if they're trying and I will help people across my sector. I get foot through professional bodies and I'm really willing to, to help where I can. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also an element of I need people to also be willing to do stuff themselves. Yeah. I'm not, let's be honest, I'm not being I'm not hugely patient with what I would describe as kind of the baby bird mindset that you sometimes get yeah. in a sector where oh, well, I've been doing this for five years and I should be, you know, well yeah. come on. I can only do so much there is an element there's a little bit on you yeah I think I find it I find working with people who have got a really solid work ethic and that doesn't mean working stupid hours it's just about getting the job done and being reliable and being nice humans to work with that other people always go oh yeah x they're brilliant yeah those kind of people and people who are willing to have the courage of the conversation
convictions. So I, I appreciate when you got a, you're a new boss, you've got a big title, you're very senior compared to some colleagues. I really value folk who are willing to put the head above the parapet mm. to throw ideas into the mix and aren't aren't afraid to also push back. Yeah. And I think pushback is a term everybody's now used to, but it's that when I say respectful pushback, because I've had to do this all of my career, it's very easy to be a yes person yeah. in HE. You know, we can all sit in rooms and every room of every institution in the country there will be people who are sitting in those meetings that don't agree violently yeah who will say absolutely nothing and, and unfortunately for me I'm never going to be one of those people and sometimes it you know sometimes it lands me in hot water yeah I mean I think there's also that notion isn't it that like I, I read that it's a myth that people don't want to change actually it's not that they don't want to change it's that they don't want to change themselves yeah. you know like that's the kind of agreement there right like even though they don't agree with something they'll just go along with it yeah and that's that's like do you know what change doesn't happen in a vacuum it needs people to believe and understand and to get involved and there's ways of doing that you know so if if somebody whether it's someone senior or a peer or another colleague suggests something and you don't think it's the right way forward mm. what's wrong with going I hear what you're saying there Zenat, but I'm not sure if that picks up on xyz yeah if we do such and such that allows us to hit those things but it takes away the risk of doing such and such mm. or I hear what you're saying but actually we don't have six months to hit the target we've got three yeah so we probably need to just reel that back a little bit and focus down or equally if somebody's suggesting something and it's just plain wrong you know mm. one of the big parts of my job I deal with comms yeah that's important I deal with reputation that's hugely important is you have to speak truth to power and I actually I really like it when colleagues in my team go or they'll you know catch you in the office and just give you an idea mm. and or they come in and they want to chat about their career or they want your advice on something and I think for me that ability to also be able to put the right training support development I'm really keen on ensuring that my people are properly qualified and skilled yeah. and confident and that's that is huge that builds both loyalty but their skills their confidence it gets them working in teams yeah you get a better quality of output mm. they have wider knowledge they read more deeply and, and you know then that you've also given them the tools to progress yeah and people who've got a skill and who have that personal confidence you can then stretch them a little bit yeah so sometimes you stretch people to the end of their comfort zone you know because you can see that you know x or y has got so much potential and you can see where they're going that's a superpower in itself isn't it the fact that you can see uh, potential in others I love it and you're trying to unlock that and that's such a superpower absolutely love it because I think that those people then that has a ripple effect on the people around them because they see this Zena moving forward and doing really well yeah. and she's had you know two promotions in the last 18 months and she's won such and such and you and then they go I'd quite like a bit of that yeah and they can it sets the role modeling that's also tangible and it's within people's reach so somebody like me I I'm, you know, I'm old enough to be a lot of my my team's mum. I'm not even going to, and it's that's hysterical. And we, we used, I had some great conversations about that in previous jobs where uh, people's mums were actually younger than I was. Well, that can't be the case. I'm sure oh, that's it, not the case. To be fair, it totally is. But really? but that also means that their ability to be confident speaking to me, to give me ideas and things that might be outside my comfort zone. It might be a, a niche podcast that they're really into, and they think there's an idea where we could take it and be the first in HD to do blah yeah. is really great I don't want them to be super frightened I don't want to work somewhere that is desperately hierarchical because good ideas 
ideas come from all over the spot. Nobody has a monopoly on the best ideas or the best way of doing something just because they've got manager or director in the title. Yeah, no. They pop up all over the place and you'll find that if you get the right people in the room and the right energy mm. they'll bounce off each other and then for me that's lovely yeah. being able to take a step back and go they've got this I don't need to worry about this particular project anymore I can go over here and work on this other stuff yeah that's great and it's it's really exciting to see people grow and develop like that because the more they can do the more they deliver for the team I agree and I also think your point on you know allowing them into conversations listening to their ideas giving them that freedom to be able to do that I believe that what you're doing is creating this like sense of purpose and goal that you're all working towards isn't it really like you're all working towards something bigger than yourselves and it's teamwork yeah everyone's opinion is open everybody accepts it and you support each other and I think that's you know that's something that I haven't seen in many HE teams in especially in marketing for example I think we try really hard and it has I'm not going to pretend it's not been difficult during COVID because I only had a couple of months two and a half months with the team before everything happened and we've gone through restructuring we've developed new brands we've done two lots of the the highest ever recruitment that we've ever done we've launched the kind of research reimagined piece we've picked up on a load of corporate stuff the amount and the volume that the social stuff is is fab you know there's some really great stuff Mm. happening across the team but they've got to believe in themselves and every team that I've ever worked with we start from a base of where people aren't sure what the new you know what's the new boss going to be like yeah. and it's important to me that folk when they see me can catch me can tell me stuff will give me a smile will say hello will say oh have you just got a minute I want to just mm. of course because actually that's important during COVID we quite often will do when I do the kind of all team briefings and they're on teams which is not wildly exciting yeah. we have a slider right we have a slider going so that I understand that not everybody is comfortable in front of a hundred 80 odd folk on a screen yeah. asking a question or giving an opinion mm. but we use slider because they can tell me what they think or feel yeah. and whether it's a kind of a, a little bit of a pop on something that they're not happy about or it's a great idea that they've had or it's something that they just want to know more about that's nuts and bolts or changes to structure or what's happening with they can do that anonymously mm. and that's made a real difference as well so now you see more and more names appearing next to that because they're not actually worried about being anonymous now yeah. but it does give them the opportunity to raise things yeah. without anyone being worried about how it's going to be perceived by others and that's also really important I think so they've got a safe yeah you've got a safe safety space. net yeah. yeah which allows them that trust and it's got you've got that courage where they can come to you and talk to you about things in terms of that then you talked about empathy at the beginning mm. and even like vulnerability as a, as a leader you know you are open to other people's ideas where do those kind of things come from like like empathy obviously is something that a lot of people are talking about right now and you know not many possess that skill when people kind of think of it as oh you know it's a it's a weak characteristic Mm. but I feel like because you have deep empathy you've been able to connect with these individuals and almost be able to put yourselves in their shoes really and where did that kind of come from do you think it came from your experiences from the cadets do you know I think I'm like you know people who know me will laugh at that kind of whole empathy thing because I, I I feel yeah everything I, I feel and I see everything but if you meet me 
Um, and people, even the people that I've worked with, will say, oh, gosh, she can come across and she seems a little bit scary. And I sometimes. Oh, I Emma, think, can we just do a, a hand, like a high five, a virtual one? Because yeah. I feel like that too. I've been getting that same response um, where people think I'm not approachable, but I have such deep empathy. It's because you're driven, right? Mm. It's because you're driven and you're focused and you know what needs doing and you always seem to be on top of stuff and you can kind of manage multiple things and and similar that and also you've got on mm. and you know you're ambitious and things are going well so there's almost like that oh gosh she must be a little bit cold or you know forgive me a little bit of a bitch that kind of thing mm. you, you know that that's the subtext right yeah but I, I do see but it's know, just the way you express yourself I, I think it's important it's just important that people yeah. can see that you're not always that person and that actually you can have a laugh and you can understand when things in their lives are not going well and you can give them top advice and you can kind of support them but Mm. also there's a point where that's not about kind of allowing the support isn't into kind of wallowing in self-pity stuff it's sometimes actually the support is to go look we messed up yeah and using the right words we messed up on such and such and that's my fault I should have picked it up as me as a leader saying I should have picked that up with you Mm -hmm. in advance or I should have seen that one come in and warned you but what we need to do next time around so I think it's about that learning and understanding but it's it's also being bright enough to understand that if somebody has challenges issues whatever but those are also impacting on others in the team who might be having to carry additional work because someone's not necessarily doing their thing yeah got to be able to have those difficult conversations and then the, the other side of the coin is to say look you know your dad's just had a diagnosis of whatever and thank you for telling me and of course you must take the time that you need and no don't I'm not gonna nobody's gonna worry if you're not picking up team's calls every five minutes yeah do what you need to do and then tell me what you need me to do mm. until you can get this sorted I mean that that's a human thing yeah the, the one thing I would say is that the bigger your team gets mm. the harder it is to do that in the way that I did when I had you know 20 or 25 people yeah because you physically find at the end of the day if you're too available you, you're carrying too much of other people's stuff and that isn't great so is there empathy there absolutely there is because I've I've walked in the shoes of a lot of the, the things that some of my people face yeah. every day yeah, it's just being able to relate to that isn't it really but there's also the fine line about you know looking after everybody else as well and that does mean sometimes you've got to be that you've got to be a bit harder nosed and you have to pull people up and you have to have tough conversations because yeah when you're talking about a family you can't just let one or two people just do everything that they want to do to the detriment of the rest of the gang so I think people appreciate that too yeah but also if you're the leader everybody knows that you're paid to lead right so don't just also push those so what do you all think you know there's a level I think around consensus (laughs) we've got our plan we've got our cam strategy it aligns with university strategy every single area has got the KPIs on it the ownership the targets that feeds into appraisals that for me is really linear Mm -hmm. and we all know whatever our all in the team we all know what we got to deliver what we're going to be judged against yeah. how it sits with the institutional strategy and it's pretty much idiot proof so it, it means we're all on the same page yeah. and we've got then that very shared objective and a shared experience and and everybody will have different challenges and bumps and roadblocks along the way and my job is to 
unblock. It's just to facilitate everybody being able to utilise the talent that they have to the absolute max of their potential. And in terms of just to kind of conclude on this then, so obviously leaders have a tremendous impact on the culture of the university's marketing department or Mm. the university itself. What would you say are the fundamental skills that you need to have to create these high performing successful teams? I need to be able to do that high level strategic thinking, you know, that universities love that stuff. But every single thing, you know, I've seen a lot of people crash and burn because they do the high level strategic stuff, but they have got no idea how to operationalize that. So part of my job is to be able to be the glue between high level objectives and and then also how are we going to get there? What do we need to do? And to be able to see all those plates spinning and to keep them spinning and to make sure that I'm constantly kind of picking up on, you know, seeing something and connecting the dots and saying, oh, Zena, actually, that's a really, that looks like a really exciting project. Don't forget to speak to such and such. Yeah, you've got to be able to see it. It's a bit of a visionary almost, isn't it? Like- and you've got to be able to take mm. good ideas from all over the place and kind of laugh at each other and go, oh, that's a bit bonkers. And then and take it somewhere where actually it isn't bonkers. It's a complete winner. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who it came from either, does it? Like as long as it's come in. And I think it's that ability to check, you know, one of the biggest ever projects that I did in my previous role at Loughborough was the golden ticket thing. And I remember watching faces in the team and like they really were not keen at the time. Yeah. And they were like, oh, gosh, it's a bit old school. And, that. and you know what? We, we got lots of different angles in and we did that check and challenge and it was just it was a smash for us an absolute who doesn't like a golden ticket I love a golden ticket well there you go right so um you know it was a win on all sorts of of levels but only because we had everybody in the room chirruping away and also check and balance so me asking if you know some things on the kind of web digital side what's the art of the possible and you need to be able to scope that with people that understand the art of the possible and other people who know stuff you don't yeah that's the other exciting thing I wouldn't get energized in my game after all these years if if I didn't like being able to understand what other people do so I do go threat to needle and I will always say to people you know okay right great thanks for the presentation go back a slide okay you've got such and such on there that doesn't seem to stack with the figures that we saw earlier explain to me this process underneath Mm. okay so part of my job is to also look for the deal breakers or those odd incremental one percent so what's slowing this down how can I speed it up how can I do it better faster for less money with more impact all of those things but the similar side is also we've done this and it, it looks quite nice, but actually where's the proper call to action on this? Where does it take you? I've checked it on the website. It, there's actually a dead end link there. We need to be able to do da, 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 da. So the devil is always in the detail and that's not micromanaging as such because once I know that you're going to cover those things off, it'll be cursory, my kind of bit, but it's amazing how many things are just a bit like, they're a bit meh, but they could be really brilliant if you can just yeah. put the focus in the right way. So mm. Yeah, and I love that. And when people have got a good idea, encouraging them, running with it, saying thank you, Mm. you know, please and thank you. Giving them the credit for it and also acknowledging them for it yeah I think a lot of people don't work for the acknowledgement of things they work for the appraise so I think different people have different kind of values don't they and understanding those values as a good leader like you you know obviously you can understand them so I think 
that really probably plays a really huge part in some of the successes that you've seen in your in your in your work I think people just need to know that they're doing a good job it's easy especially if things are you know difficult and certain times in recruitment cycle for any of us working in that space they are or if you're working on kind of fundraising campaigns there are sometimes mountains to climb and it's easy for people to kind of nitpick or you're working with different areas and this is not right and that's not right and oh it's not quick or whatever yeah but the flip side is always when there's great stuff take the time to say thank you take the time to say please I quite often to people in different areas I will send a you know thank you for support for somebody in the IT department but I'll make sure I copy in their manager so that other people know that these people are doing a great job and equally if I sent something up the line because I know it's something that the VC is going to be interested in and it's a success from someone in the team I make it absolutely clear in the email train and then I will send it back to whoever it is in my team so that they can see that very clearly right at the top of the organization they are getting credit for a job well done I'm not stealing it because it's sometimes easy as a leader that they flag on flag stuff up but they're not necessarily getting the credit and I think it's really important that people see that credit goes where credit is due and for teams that builds masses of loyalty masses yeah and I love that because um because I've noticed that you do that a lot you know like from um your work like it doesn't matter who it is as long as they're in your team you're supporting them if it's on LinkedIn if it's on Twitter if it's anywhere like you're really showcasing the loyalty towards each other and I I think that's an admirable um quality in, in a leader and yeah, I think some of the points that you've mentioned today have been, you know, amazingly insightful uh, in in a, a HE leader. And I think it all goes back to your like values, doesn't it? And your mindset as, as who you are and who you want to be. And yeah, it really comes through, Emma. Thank you. I'm really blessed to work in, in this field. I mean, education was always the field. I, originally, at one point, I thought about being a journalist and was told very clearly in the one and only careers interview I ever had, which was all of about three minutes long, that there weren't any journalism jobs. And I'd have to go to that there London town if I wanted to do that. So I reeled that out. Oh, yeah. I thought about being a teacher. Yeah. Um, and I do, I always like that kind of work. When I worked in PR and marketing to start off with and it was all kind of wedding dresses and showing rangers fashion rangers to um, editors down in the west end I was doing that at 18 it just felt really shallow education is so so transformative yeah both in terms of student experience and the freedom that that gives individuals but also in terms of the research and the impact of research from universities on society and globally that it was something that I just really wanted to do and I think that passion translates and I've seen you know in my own life the difference that that makes so yeah it does for me it's it's worthwhile and every day is just worth getting out of bed for and uh, giving it your all and I couldn't do that without the team love it thank you <laughs> no I, I love it and um and I think that's a really great place for us to kind of end on this actually and it's been great having you on and listening to you and your personal stories and really getting to know who you are and how you're translating your own personal values into you know your work and it's not really just about all the universities you work with I believe it's more about like you know who you are as an individual that's translating those qualities into others and into the sector that you're working for so we're really grateful to have you in the sector actually it's amazing to be um to to have such a leader that's that cares so much and sees a the great value in it so thank you so much for being on the podcast Emma thank you Zena if I leave anything behind it's it's hopefully helping the next generation of leaders get there and that's I think that will be a really big legacy thing for me so in my dotage that's what I'm going to look back at um, with pleasure and excitement thank you for having me 
thank you so much for listening to the Brand Education Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Please do leave us a review, tag us on LinkedIn. Please also share it with colleagues across the sector. We're always interested in hearing your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again and see you next time.